0: You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk-back program.
1: The heart is a blue, shoots up through the stony ground, there's no room, no space to rent in this town, you're out of luck, and the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck.
0: Well, one of the biggest porn stars of this decade just recently left the industry, an amazing thing, and returned to the faith of her childhood. And for the first time on radio, from what I understand, she's going to share with us her journey, right out of porn and into the grace and acceptance and forgiveness of her father's arms. This is my favorite segment of the show, the journey segment. Real people with a real God in the middle of our messy lives. Kinda of what it's all about, folks, to be honest. So strap yourselves in because if this story doesn't touch your heart, then you're dead. Chrissy, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. I guess first question right off the bat is what kind of response have you been getting? Have you had have you had much heat or much flack?
2: Well, um, you know, my main outlet was, the, you know, where I made money was the internet. So um, it's kind of a mixture. I have um, my whole story up on my face um, and have received tons of Christian support. Um, and then there's the people who promoted my website who, you know, like it, they have forums and stuff that they talk amongst themselves and with, um, with other, um, you know, people who are addicted to porn or, you know, the webmasters who ran the ran web, run websites. And,
0: um, yeah, they are not happy they're at all. N- they no, no, they're not. I <laughs> can't imagine they would be, that's for sure. All right, well, let's take us right back to your childhood because I think the most interesting thing for me or from my point of view is your journey prior to the porn industry and your journey after the porn industry. So tell us about your your childhood memories. From what I understand, you, you had a, you had a lot of fairly happy childhood memories.
2: Yeah, I I mean, when I was younger, things were really great. My dad was a pastor in a church, um, well, before I can remember, but he was always, like, um, really, you know, talking to us about God all the time. Um, Later on, when I was around 11, 12 years old, he began, he, he, you know, was no longer a pastor in a church, he began drinking, and um, drinking a lot, and he totally changed. Um, He still preached to us, and you know, talk to us about God and we um, read the Bible and stuff. Um, he became a little um, verbally abusive to my mom and a little crazy, you know, with the alcohol. They ended up splitting up and then um, I moved in with my dad around, I guess I was around um, 12 or 13, I believe, maybe mm-hmm. 11. And so I lived with my dad for a little while, and um, it was really rough um, because he continued drinking. And, you know, my mom left, and he was really depressed. And while, um, you know, he would go out to bars and get in fights and come home because he was preaching in the bar, <laughs> and um, it just I, I had kind of a twisted perception of, of what God was because I guess we kind of look, you know, when we think of a father, we kind of look to our own father. So, kind of confused me a
1: little bit about, you know, God's love hmm. and, you know, things
0: like that. I mean, you've just glazed over a whole wacky years there, and in between that time period, there there was a lot of highs, there was a lot of great memories, like kind of cuddling up with your dad while he read the Bible to you, and and, uh, and your mom singing in the kitchen. Right. A lot, a lot of yeah. those, a lot of those good memories, but there's a lot of garbage as well. So, maybe take us back to to uh, the time I think you were about five years old and when you were in the pool I mean it, would you say that would be the initial hurt or abuse or, or betrayal?
2: Yeah definitely um, when I was around I think I was four or five um, we my brother he's two years younger so he was really small we went over to a neighbor's house and um, we're playing in the pool um, our neighbors had two little boys or three little boys and um, we were playing in the pool and Their father was, um, you know, holding me in the pool, and he started to, you know, touching me inappropriately. And I remember, like, I just thought it was, I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was really weird, and, you know, my parents never really talked to me about anything like that. And, um, yeah, it was really confusing, and I went to the restroom, and he came with me, and it was just really confusing to me. sure
0: and but that stuff is still burned in I mean you still have vivid memories of, of that time
2: yeah I definitely I definitely remember it it's, it's like after that even after that memory it's like my whole life like seems like there's always been some somebody preying on me um, throughout my life it's really weird I mean as a child you don't really understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, I mean you even talked about sort of flashing back to being in the pool and seeing this guy's wife in the kitchen kind of looking out at him and she wasn't doing anything and so, you know, as a 5-year-old, what's your what's your thinking? Your thinking is, well, I guess I guess it's all right. Right. Tough thing. I mean, just absolutely brutal that you would have to go through that kind of crap when you were that young. Did you um do you think that your initial surrender to Christ at, I think, around age 11, do you think that was genuine looking back on it all, or do you think it was family manipulation or indoctrination, or, you know, what was that?
2: Well, I I've, I've thought about that quite a bit, um, but I truly believe in my heart that it, it was not because of my, you know, so much because of my family. I remember being in church and feeling um, the Holy Spirit around me. I remember... Um, you know so so many memories of you know feeling God's love around me. and I truly believed in God. i I even at age twelve, I wrote a poem about God that you know is you know good for a twelve year old, but it really <laughs> showed that um, you know that I did believe and and I knew he was there. When things started falling apart, and my my parents were divorcing. And then, you know, other, thing, you know, so many bad things happening is when I started doubting.
1: Sure.
0: Well, if if that is the case, if you think that your your commitment or your initial surrender to Christ at eleven was genuine, then looking at this whole thing theologically, I guess that means you were a Christian porn star.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. As a matter of fact, I did one interview while I was in porn, and they asked me if I believed in God, and I said yes. <laughs>
0: sure well i bet that's very in today you know i mean look at the award
2: ceremonies
0: (laughs) very trendy so things began to kind of change with your dad were there other molestations other than that day in the pool
2: um yeah there were um you know after my dad um well before my my parents split up there my dad had a man who lived with us for um for like maybe six or seven months and he had a son that was my age and he was very sexual, and um, he molested me a lot. And um, it was really confusing. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really talk to anybody about it because um, his father was abusive. Um, I saw him with bruises, and I was afraid that if I told on him, that he. I was really afraid that his dad would hurt him really bad, or kill him, or I mean, he was very he was he was the one who got my dad started drinking. They were working together. He moved in, and
1: that's when they start they start drinking together.
0: Right. Well, I guess you know, with mom and dad splitting up, and you going to live with your dad, leaving the porn industry wasn't the first time you found the strength to leave an unhealthy situation. Because I think at eventually, around 13, you left your dad and brother to go live with your mom.
2: Yeah, I left. Um, I, I moved out because, you know, I was about 13. I was becoming a woman, and I felt like I needed to be with my mom. And actually, the choice to be with my dad wasn't my choice anyway. My dad sort of ran off with us, my brother and I. So, um, and even though I loved my, my dad, it was just I needed some more stability. It was really hard to, um, you know, go to school, come home, and take on, like, all the duties of a wife. Cleaning, laundry, groceries, and I was just a little girl. So, I um, I moved in with my mom.
0: How did that go? Moving in with your mom.
2: Well, in in the beginning, I thought it it was going to be great because my stepdad made well, he made a cop salary, and that was like really a big step from where I was. And I thought, you know, it would be stable. I would be able to have a normal life, and you know, my dad was very poor, so um. But, and, you know, it seemed like after I moved in, um, it just, it was, it was, it wasn't any better. It's a different life, but my, you know, I didn't really have any, have a relationship with my mom or my stepdad. Um, they were, my mom, I guess, because she got out of a bad relationship, was giving everything to my stepdad, all of her attention, all of her time, and a lot of times I just, was at home by myself doing nothing but writing poetry or, um, I don't know, I like to write a lot. so I was writing a lot and listening to music. I was, it was really, you know, hard for a teenage girl and I had no mom to talk to about anything.
0: Well, you know, this police officer stepdad, I guess, it must have been an absolute kick in the guts when you found out that, again, this was not the dad you needed in your life.
2: Yeah, it was, um because I really thought, you know, like, he seemed normal. And he's a, a, you know, he just wasn't my father. He wasn't, you know, it was more about rules and, you know, he told me to sit up straight all the time and to use manners and not to act, you know, to carry myself, you know, a certain way, which are all good things, but I didn't receive, like, genuine love from him. Hmm.
0: You know, uh, Chrissy, the girls I talk to who you could put these labels on them, they're, they've been labeled teases or flirts or they're promiscuous or they're in the sex trade industry or, you know, whatever. The common denominator in the majority of these girls, I wouldn't say all of them, but gee whiz, I mean, well over 90%, the common denominator is bad dad stuff. Like they just, they just never had that real good, healthy connection with, with their father.
2: Yeah, I would say that's true. Um, you know, of course, I know a lot of girls who are in the business, and I know for a fact that that's true. It's not the same for everybody, but I believe, yeah, it's a very common thing.
0: How were your high school years, Chrissy?
2: High school was... Um...
0: By the way, you know what? i got to let everybody know. Chrissy's not feeling well today. Yes. She's got the cold, which has quite possibly turned into bronchitis. And, you know, of all the days to do a big radio interview figures, it's today, right? So thanks thanks for sucking it up.
2: That's fine. Um see, high school was um, kind of confusing, you know, and you know the beginning, um, I I I don't know, I was kind of like alone or like the you know, eighth grade, ninth grade. Then I started coming into having friends more. Um, and um dating was kind of awkward because um, boys weren't really too much attracted to me, and I was extremely shy. Um, my friends, of course, were, you know, outgoing, so you know the boys were around. <laughs> um, but um, in let's say eleventh grade, I started dating a boy, and he was out of, you know, I, I automatically started dating older guys. Um, Why? And because they seemed more mature and you know, the boys in my high school weren't very mature and it seemed like they weren't too interested in, like, really dating. And I, I don't know, maybe I was looking for something, a more mature kind of relationship. I mean, from, like, a young age, all I wanted to do was be a mom. So hmm. I wanted a family of my own. So um, I started dating older guys. Um, I guess when I was 17, I lost my virginity to an older guy He was, like, twenty six or twenty seven,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um, it was really weird. But I, I wasn't in love with him, and um, it was really awkward, <laughs> awkward moment. I cried, and then he cried, and because he was scared that he was going to be in trouble. But, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it was really awkward and not very enjoyable. Um, later on, we broke up, and. Um, well, after we broke up, there was a situation where, I guess I was 18 at this point, and I was, um, riding around um, town with a couple of older men. One was probably about 50, the other one was in his mid-30s, um, they were friends of, of my stepsister, and, um... We were going through, like, a drive through liquor store, and they kept giving me more and more alcohol. And um, then they took me somewhere out in the woods, like, far away, and tried to rape me. And um, so one guy dropped the older guy off, took me, you know, drove back in the woods further, and then um, attempted to rape me. And I had been drinking, and I, like had my legs together as tight as I could, and I just started praying. And I was like, you know, dear God, please don't let him do this to me. And the guy could not pull my legs apart. Wow. <laughs> so eventually he got upset and threw me in the bushes. I get dressed, called me all kinds of names, and we went back. Um, and that was, like, really scary for me. Um, and then I started dating... Later on, you know, I started dating another guy who was um, a little bit older than me. He wasn't as old. Um, he was in college and um, 11th grade and 12th grade I dated him. And um, my 11th grade year, I got pregnant um, and, gosh, <laughs> um, 11th grade I got pregnant and he told me if I got pregnant he, he was going to marry me and you know and I know it was carelessness because in a way I wanted I wanted a family and um I wanted it to happen so um, we told my mom eventually and they you know I was in 11th grade it was summer um, and they said that I cannot have a baby.
0: Your, your parents, your parents said you cannot have a baby.
2: Yeah, they said I couldn't have a baby. Right. Um, I was eighteen, but I had to get through my senior year of high school, and they felt that was more important. So, so um, they said if my boyfriend wasn't going to marry me, then I would have to have an abortion. So I went back to him, and I'm like. So, you know, like, when are we going to get married? And he said, I can't marry you. And uh, and I was just crushed. I thought I was finally going to have a family and, like, love. And um, somebody, you know, having a baby, I felt I would be loved forever. And then um, he took me to the abortion clinic the first time. And... um, they um, did a sonogram. and this I guess this was more of like a pro-life. I don't know. It seemed like they were pushing pro-life at this abortion clinic.
0: Yeah, because I don't think like, they usually take sonograms at abortion clinics to show you the baby's heartbeat.
2: Yeah, it was really awkward. And there was people outside picketing. I went in and did like a whole counseling thing. And then they did a sonogram and they were like, do you want to see the baby's heartbeat? And I, and I said, yes and I saw it and I started crying and I said I can't do this I have to go home so I left and I got home my boyfriend drove me home because he took me there and my mom was there and um
0: was your boyfriend angry that you didn't have the abortion?
2: he was he was angry he was like I could tell he was frustrated he didn't know what to say um but I could tell he, he was upset right um when I got home I walked in the door. My mom was like, "How are you feeling?" And my boyfriend says that "She didn't do it." And I just ran to the bathroom and cried. And my mom came in and she's like, "Why didn't you do it?" With you And I'm like, "Yeah, I saw the heartbeat." And she's like, "You should have looked at it." And you know, I was just really torn because it was broke my heart. Sure. And um, so. After a few days, my mom took me back and made sure I did it.
0: So your mom then took you back to the abortion clinic and made sure you had the abortion?
2: Yes. It was hard because, you know, my mom was paying for it, and there was, like, you could be, I don't know, there was extra stuff you could pay for so you could be more comfortable through it, and I didn't want to make her pay extra, so... Like, I felt a lot of pain. I had about four people holding me down and were screaming. And oh, I was,
0: Chrissy. I'm so sorry that you went through that.
2: It's just... It was really difficult. I did just like, hear. I just have a very vivid memory of it. So, yeah, so that was just, you know, another thing it
1: broke
2: my heart. My boyfriend and I eventually
0: broke up. Sure. Um, yeah. Chrissy, i, I got to stop you here for a second, and we'll, folks, we'll just remind you, we're, we're on the phone with a young girl named Chrissy, who has been one of the biggest porn stars of this decade, and she has just recently left the industry and returned back to the faith of her childhood. And um, really, I guess this is your sort of first big radio interview, and you're... You're just being vulnerable with us, and I'm I'm so thankful. And, and in hearing this, this story of your mom taking you back to the abortion clinic and your mom paying for it, and, and then you have this thinking, even back then, Chrissy, of accommodation. In other words, well, I don't want my mom to have to pay out any more money, so I'm going to go through this in a more painful way. Where... In the world did this accommodating mindset come from? Why were you so accommodating? I mean, here's your mom making you get an abortion, and yet you didn't want to inconvenience her.
2: Hey, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know where it came from, I guess, just from seeing so much, you know, my, seeing my dad get angry, Some people get angry at me and feeling like things were my fault a lot. And, um, I don't. I don't really know. My my parent, my mom and my stepfather always would, you know, tell me I don't appreciate things and that I just want things done for me, and which is so untrue. Like,
0: but even if it was true, Chrissy, that's the definition of a teenager.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess so.
0: Did the did the kids at school find out about the abortion?
2: Yeah, I was going to summer school at the time, and I had a best friend that was at school with me, and. I kind of told her about it when I was going through it, about going to the clinic and then coming home. She was just like, "Don't have an abortion. My aunt will adopt." <laughs> and uh, and wow. I don't know. It seemed really silly to me. Um. And it, but I wanted to do it. I, I didn't. I did not want to give up my baby. It's like, yeah. Especially after I saw her heartbeat, and that's, that's like inside of me, like. It's just like amazing feeling like I can't even explain.
0: Well it's it's and, uh, it is it is an unexplainable thing. I mean if it's like trying to explain God. If you can explain God you've got the wrong God.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: So, um yeah, some you know, a couple of girls found out and then, um I don't really know when it happened, but by the time I went back to school my senior year, the whole school knew. But the thing is, they didn't know the pain I was going through in the process.
0: No, they knew nothing about the circumstances behind your th- this this um, decision.
2: No, all they knew is I did it. I went to a very small small school out in the country where everybody gets married right after high school.
0: Oh yeah, I used to live in one of those towns.
2: <laughs> so it was I was very looked down upon my senior year. I I, I had to concentrate on my grades my senior year because. I, like, my high school, like, ninth grade, 10th grade, I did horribly. I did all F's and D's. My senior year, I had to make all A's. I could only make, like, one B. I had to go to night school. I had to go to summer school in order to graduate with my class. But you did it. Yeah, I did do
0: it. See, like, again, Chrissy, here's another time when you dug down deep and found the strength to do what needed to be done. Yeah, okay. Here you were alienated by the kids at school. Your uh, school says, look, you got to get straight A's. you got to take night school. In order to graduate your class in 94, you better lift your game, little girl. And you did it.
2: Yeah, the dean took me in his office, and he was like, he's like, I don't know if you can do it. Um, you have to make all A's. You can only make maybe one B throughout the whole year. All your classes, you know, like, I could only have, like, a couple, like, I think one elective, the rest were like making up classes, Mm. and um, I did it, I did it really well, I mean, after whenever um, the dean took me back in his office, he says, I have never seen anybody ever make such a big turnaround in my life.
0: That's awesome.
2: So, I did it, and I graduated with my class, but, you know, it also took me, um, not having any friends my senior year, I was totally alone. Totally alone, like nobody was close to me. Like I was totally an outcast. Wow. So it was it was really hard emotionally every day coming home from school. I would just pray, like you know, I wanted friends desperately, but I didn't trust anybody, and of course they wouldn't even let me um, close to them. It was just you know I could see people laughing and you know it was really just it was horrible, yeah. horrible New year.
0: How did life go for you after graduation, Chrissy?
2: Um, well, after graduation, uh, I was I was still eighteen. My, my mom and my stepdad, and, and I had to move out of the house by a certain month. I forget how long they gave me. They gave me like three months to move out,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, because they wanted me to be independent. So I was just I was like, okay, <laughs> what am I gonna do? So I started working three jobs, three part-time jobs, which kept me busy from like six o'clock in the morning till midnight. Wow! And uh, and then I applied for HUD housing, um, which was for low-income families mostly. Of course, I didn't get approved because I'm a single female and with no children. But um, so I eventually moved in with a boyfriend. Um, I was eighteen; he was seventeen. He was the first guy I lived with, and we kind of dated my senior year a little bit. He was kind of an outcast too, because in, in our in our country school he was a surfer, so he was kind of an
0: outcast. <laughs> he was like the Kevin Bacon in the country school, right?
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> so so we moved in together, and it didn't work out very well. It was kind of crazy, and, um, and I was cheating on him, and. I just wanted attention from different people. I don't know. Was, I was a horrible, horrible girlfriend. Um, and it broke his heart. He moved out, um, moved back in with his parents. And then I had to move back in with my
1: parents.
2: Oh. <laughs> my mom told me to get my stuff, and she used to, you know, you, know, you can't um, hit him or whatever. And I went to get my comfort. From, and I started hitting him. It was horrible. It was a horrible relationship. And, you know, of course, I didn't hurt him. I am a small girl, and I can't hurt anybody. It's
1: just kind of humorous. He was laughing at me. Oh, yeah. But
0: your relationship patterns with guys really started to develop in unhealthy ways after high school, right? I mean, it's it seems like you were still trying to find love and acceptance. You were trying to please the guys, and you were just trying to find love.
2: Yeah, I, I still, yeah, totally, Um, you know, I had no girlfriends. I had no love for my family, really.
1: Yeah.
2: And, um, yeah, I was looking for love, totally. Um, one of the three jobs that I ended up getting, I applied at Hooters because I wanted to see if I could get the job, if I was good enough. <laughs> and I got the job, which it totally was crazy because, you know, like, I wasn't glamorous. I had I wore glasses. I did not have implants, and um, I was just kind of (laughs) (laughs) geeky. I got that job, and it was kind of like a good feeling. I'm like, oh, I'm being accepted. Guys are looking at me. Um, I'm the only girl in my high school who works at Hooters. (laughs) Sure. I guess it was a way of validating myself.
0: Yeah. Well, folks, again, just to remind you, we're talking with Chrissy, who uh, has just left the porn industry, one of the biggest porn stars of this decade, and uh, has decided to to surrender her her life back to the creator that made her kind of a return to the faith of her childhood and we're just we're just kind of catching up Chrissy I mean can you just sort of concisely explain to us the descent into the world of porn if I understand things right, you were working for the city, you got bored, you know you were like a law library clerk uh you were working the elections office i mean that those jobs just sound incredibly boring I get that.
2: I started in the law library, and I then I went to the clerk of the court, which kept me totally busy, and and my brain was being used a lot. It was very busy, and then I transferred to the elections office, where all I was doing was filing cards, and um, of course I got a, I got was getting paid more money, but it was incredibly boring. So they had internet, and I started playing. I found a website where um, where people would um, post pictures. So that they could um, Model
1: mm-hmm.
2: So I was like Hmm Well I did the Hooters thing Maybe I could put my pictures up and You know I would look at the other girls They were just like Total normal people Like um, I'm like If they can do it Then maybe They will hire me What if I could make You know $200 from doing a shoot In a bikini Like That would be so Like incredible So I put my pictures up <coughs> And I'm sorry That's okay And then um I started getting emails from people wanting to hire me um, you know but they all wanted me to do news and I was like I'm not doing that I'm not doing that so I turned down stuff for about six months um, and plus I was just doing it to see if I could get the work anyway sure so I wasn't really like looking to really get into modeling I didn't I knew like if I was a model type they would have discovered me as a child <laughs> so you know eventually though I hit another point where I felt like I hit rock bottom and um I had I broke up with the guy I was engaged to and then I started dating another guy and then he broke up with me like totally broke my heart and then I I started having a breakdown and eventually like during that time um some photographer who took excellent shots I mean like beautiful lighting and um, very professional-looking, not just amateur, mm-hmm. I decided to work with him and do a trade shoot, and it was topless. <laughs> and um, I remember, like, I met him in a hotel room, and he had, like, you know, maybe one light and a camera, and he wasn't he wasn't too creepy. He was a pretty nice guy. But then he was like, okay, now all you need to take your top off. And I even you know, I was, like, shaking, and I'm like... Oh my god! Like my heart's pounding. I felt so uncomfortable and weird and awkward, and it was just really bizarre. And then I shot with him, but the whole night I stayed in the hotel with him because um I was going to a Halloween it was Halloween. I was going to a Halloween party. I came back, spent the night there because we were shooting the next day. Um, of course, he he didn't he didn't do anything creepy. Thank God. Um, but at that point I didn't even care about my own life you know to even think rationally about any of it so I so event- there with so
0: eventually you take those shots you put them up online and now you're getting real offers for more nude shots
2: right right so I started doing more jobs and then um, somebody wanted to do you know I replaced those pictures with more pictures and yeah. eventually somebody approached me about doing a website and um and then I started doing a website, um, and I started putting my pictures on other websites um, that were modeling websites, and getting more work. And then you know, eventually, it led me out to LA for a shooting, um, which is this is where all the all of it is.
1: I sure, mean. sure.
2: So yeah,
0: and the rest, as they say, is is history. I mean, you you six years later, you, you're finally out of it, but it was. From that point to six years later, you were a porn star. But throughout that journey, I mean, the hell that you went through... Let me ask you this, Chrissy. What goes through your mind when I say this phrase? I'm going to put her six feet under.
1: Yeah, that's
2: just pure evil. That was my... This is boyfriend I had for four years while I was in the business um, who was very abusive to me. And um, for four years, and I couldn't get away because, you know, eventually I moved out to L.A. We moved to San Diego. He was the one I moved with. And um, I left Florida, which is where I'm from. Moved across the country, no friends. Um, Of course, my social, you know, I'm not very, wasn't very social. I was very introverted at this point, you know, from even from, like, you know, Growing up in teenage years, you know, i not trusting of other females or even really other men. Yeah. Even though I looked to them for love. So I move across the country with somebody who totally controlled my life. Um, he was very abusive. He, he even answered my emails because I had already started the website. He would answer emails by me. He ran everything,
1: every aspect of my
0: life to the point where you're trying to get away you're trying to ask people quietly privately on set you're taught you're going to your mom you even run across to a gas station attendant or whatever and you're like help me get away from this guy and and nobody's helping you
2: no nobody would help me everybody just turned around and you know like the time i ran in the gas station because everybody was looking like i'm hysterically crying and i'm like help me get you know he's, he's going to kill me and, like, everybody's looking at me crazy, and creeping. he comes in, like, with his little smile. He's like, oh, she's okay. She just hasn't had her medication. All right, yeah. And, of course, I was taking medication because I thought I was losing my mind. I'm like, why am I so sad all the time? And, like, you know, through the whole time, I'm like, and still, you know, through these years, I still had a relationship with God, but it was getting further and further away. I was praying, and I'm like, why is God doing this to me? Hmm. The whole time I'm like Why is he putting me With somebody like this So I kind of Thought maybe it was My duty to You know Teach him about God Teach this man Who is purely evil In my eyes anyway um, About God And and I did love him For a couple of years The last couple of years I did did not love him And um, I would try To talk to him About God And you know And he would say He believes And he knew a little bit
0: But this same guy eventually tries to smother you with a pillow.
2: Yeah, eventually one day he tried to smother me with a pillow because I was having a panic attack because he was fighting with me and pulling my hair out and doing horrible things. And I start hyperventilating, and he puts a pillow over my face and holds me down on the bed. And the man is a big guy. He's 220 pounds. He's like 6 feet tall. I'm 98 pounds. I could not get away from him. So eventually, um, you know, we did. We had drug use in our home. Like, any time he did drugs, I would do it and try to do more um, because I wanted to die. And I wanted to show him, like, to, that he needed to quit because this is what's going to happen to you. For some reason, God spared my life. He he would not let me die. Like, I didn't even come close and doing more drugs than a guy who's twice my size so, you know, that day when he smothered me with the pillow, he went and he was smoking weed and he got really mellow and he was sitting on the couch, I purposely sat as close to the door as I could and as soon as I saw that he was totally relaxed, I jumped up and ran out the door and ran down the road. And I started knocking on doors and, you know, he came running after me but he was really slow. I got to one of my neighbors house where somebody was home and a guy answered the door and I'm like, call the police. My boyfriend's trying to kill me. Please call the police he's, like, looking at me confused, and the woman comes up behind him, and she's like, I don't know if we should get involved. And I'm like, oh, my God, please help me. He's going to come get me. He's going to kill me. He's trying to kill me with a pillow. And eventually they called the police. Wow. and And um, my boyfriend found out because the, I think the police called him. I think that was the situation to see what happened. And then he said that I hit him in the head with a fur band See, so they told him to stay at the house. They would come by. They would, you know, look at his injury or whatever, which was totally a lie.
1: And um, and
2: then, you know, because he wanted me to go to jail, too. Um, but they just, you know, he wasn't there. He fled. Um,
1: well,
0: you, you know what, Chrissy, this just sounds like such a glamorous lifestyle. I mean, who wouldn't want to get into the porn industry? You sense my sarcasm here? I mean, that's what people yeah. say. I mean, even the 16-year-old that emailed you or you found her uh, her MySpace and she's all, oh yeah, I'm going to grow up and be a porn star and stuff. And You know, you're trying to reach out to people to give them the wake-up call and people just don't get the baggage that comes with this industry. No, no,
2: and being in that business is really difficult to do it without being on drugs and without losing i mean i don't
1: even think you can do it without losing yourself
0: well everybody in the world medicates themselves we all medicate ourselves in some way whether it's workaholic or alcohol or drugs or porn or uh, you know i don't know whatever we all medicate so here's someone in an industry such as yourself an accommodator in many ways like your mother, trying to win the love and affection of a father that just didn't play his appropriate part in your life. And it's just not working. And so you begin to medicate. You medicate and you medicate. Did it ever actually get into a full-blown drug problem for you?
2: Um, you know, I don't... It's really hard to say. I don't think that it, I had a full-blown drug problem. I did... I had, um sporadical use like I would go a couple of weeks three weeks at the most and then I would stop for like a few months um I don't know why but um yeah that's how it's it, how I it's how it worked for me I've seen in that industry most people are constantly on coke or on crystal meth or on something to numb what they're doing i it many times sure. and, or if they're drinking there's a lot of people who just drink alcohol they take the alcohol to the shoot with them they drink it while they're there you know a lot of times they hide it sometimes if the director's cool they don't have to hide it sometimes the people provide it so
0: six years later you leave the industry in august you go public in october This statement is one that kind of hits me. I don't understand why my family had to raise me in a ridiculous religion and teach me about God and love, because that is not how it really is. No one can ever just love me in a pure way. I hate God. That's a heavy quote, Chrissy. Yeah,
2: that's how I felt. That's how I felt. Um, That was... I actually, before changing... Before, not changing, but rededicating my life, Um, I actually, you know, cried. I had been crying out to God for so so many times, so many situations. And I actually, this last time, I just said, I hate you. I hate God. I hate you. I hate you. And two days later, he spent somebody in my life to tell me that he loves me. So it's just really incredible. I was just, I gave up. I gave up. I just really lost all hope that there was a God.
0: I am, uh, I'm just kind of reflecting on all this and and, uh, thinking to myself, you know, look, I'm a father of a 14-year-old girl and uh, number one, uh, I need to lift my game as a dad because I just don't want my daughter to have to go through a tenth of the stuff that you've gone through. And I'm I'm just so sorry that all of this has happened to you. I mean, the amazing thing is, here's this God in the middle of your mess. He doesn't leave you. As a matter of fact, it's it's probably the mess that attracted Him to you. One day you say I hate God, or you're in the you're in the middle of absolute brokenness, and two days later, somebody comes into your life, and through Him, through that person. God says, you hate me? Okay. Well, I still love you. Yes.
2: Yeah, he did. And it was just, it was like, that moment was so incredible. And I was dating, I was actually living with another guy, um, which I've with so many people. And um, we've been dating for a year, a year a month. and eight months. And, you know, this was recent. I mean, I've been out of the business. A total of, I believe, six months. Hmm. Um, publicly, I think it's four months. But um, you know, my boyfriend had gone to a strip club while he was working on a movie in Albuquerque, and then he lied to me about it. Swore on his son's life that he didn't go to the strip club. I figured it out because you know I have <laughs> I'm good at investigating things. So <laughs> I figured out that he went. And um,
0: aren't you thankful for Google?
2: Yeah, I googled. <laughs> I Googled the name of the place as soon as he said it because I was on my computer. <laughs> and I, I, you know, did the map thing where I could see where it was in relation to the until I figured it out. And, um, you know, the next day, you know, that's when I made the statement that I hate God. I hate him for all this pain that I, I've gone through. And why why is this happening to me? Like, all I, all I wanted was, you know, to have a normal life and to have a family and to be loved. To have friends and have fun, to have all the good stuff. Like, why is everything
1: just, you
2: know, so up and down? And you know, but I, anyway, so um, I went out to the set of this this television show that my boyfriend was working on, and I met another guy who um, he knew that I had I was in porn, but um, he didn't know. I mean, he didn't know because anybody told him he overheard my boyfriend and the director's son talking about it, the director of the show. So when, at one point my boyfriend was talking on the cell phone and he went outside of the movie set. And um, this guy and I start talking and he's teaching. He like he was like, I might move out to L.A. To, and um, if you know anybody who wants to learn Muay Thai, which is like a, a fighting thing, I don't know, um, didn't let me know because I like, Clients out there So I I told him I said well I would like to learn Because I was in a very abusive relationship But I felt hopeless You know a lot of the times And I would love to learn How to do Muay Thai So we started talking And uh, we started talking about the abusive relationship Then he asked me What did I do for a living And I'm like oh I do modeling What kind of modeling Um, You know like bikinis. You know, fitness stuff.
0: You're just avo- you're avoiding it, obviously, yeah.
2: Yeah. And then I'm like, so what do you do? You know, I always, <laughs> how I always would come back because I never wanted to talk about it. Sure. Eventually his questions led me to admit what I did because he was very persistent. So I told him. I work in, in the adult business. Um, I do, you know, pictures and whatever. I do porn, and then it just came out. And then he was like, uh, "He goes, you know, you didn't have to tell me. I ar- I already knew that because I overheard your boyfriend and, you know, so and so talking about it. So um, he's like, let me ask you something. Do you believe in God?'" And at that moment, I was just, I had chills, and I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, you know," he started talking to me about God and how God loves me and how, you know, like all this stuff it was just crazy and we talked for like an hour my boyfriend came back in and this guy goes um can i he goes he goes do you want to go out and pray and i'm like i hadn't prayed and like like really like
1: prayed and
2: like bowed my head and closed my eyes concentrated like in a long time i always really felt like i talked to god but never like a prayer like what you typical prayer way sure so um i was like oh yeah and he's like, okay, let me ask your boyfriend because I don't want him to think I'm disrespecting him. So he
0: asked your boyfriend if he if he can take you outside to pray?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and at that moment I looked at my boyfriend and the look on his face was so weird. He was totally freaked out. And um, he said, yes, I mean, what else could he say? So we went outside and prayed and I rededicated my life.
0: Wow. And now, the, the reaction from all of this, I mean, your your boss or producer or webmaster, whatever you will call him, I mean, he's, like, hating you because you're losing money f- for him, I guess, and, like, your porn site made more money for the providers than than any of the other sites?
2: Any of the sites that my webmaster ran. My right. site was the highest um, income. When I, when I told him, um, well, actually, what I did is I had a MySpace page um, for about two months, um, you know, I, I had it private, and I just wanted Christian friends that I could talk to because I was confused. I'm like, okay, so how am I going to make a living now? What am I going to do? I'm trying to make a plan. Um, and the guy who led me back, the guy was on MySpace, and he was like, why don't you do a MySpace page? I'm like, why? And um, I just put one up, and um, it was private, and I added like a lot of his friends that he referred me to. So right. I had a Christian network because I knew no one. And um, that was in August when I started it. In October, October 6th, I started, like, talking. I, you know, my friend, you know, my Christian friends increased a lot. Um, And I started talking to the guy who is now in my life as my boyfriend. Um, We were friends at the time. And he's like, I think you should make your page public and let people know. So October 6th, I went public with the page immediately bam, the whole industry knew. People were bashing me, like, thinking I'm crazy and whatever. And then my webmaster, um, like, people who work with him started emailing me, why didn't you tell Kevin, why didn't you tell Kevin? And we're like, I didn't think he would find out this way. And they're like, well, you know, MySpace is so big, like, we really didn't think he would find out. and then, Honestly, I didn't. I, I, I never really did a MySpace. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, you know, everything, I had to call him and tell him. And, you know, on the phone, he was very kind to me and everything. But then he got on his message board with the other webmasters who promoted my site, and they just started bashing me for being a Christian. And he put on that message board, if I would have left the business to start a family or something like that, he could understand and he would have worked with me. But because it was for a fairy tale like God, he is totally,
0: you know, will yeah. do anything to
2: keep the website up. Wow. Basically.
0: Okay, so so, so Chrissy, here you go from 13000 a month just from the website down to bupkis, right? Right. I mean, your lifestyle has changed majorly. Have you been able to adjust your lifestyle and live without all the perks of 13000 a month and being a porn star? A
2: lot has changed. I, I had only saved up $30,000. And just the whole moving out, getting into a new place, buying furniture because I didn't
0: have any. Sure, but this this is this is what I'm talking about. I mean, if you only saved up thirty thousand dollars after six years of being a porn star, you spent a lot of cash, right? Yeah. Okay, so now you're not making that kind of cash. Have you been able to? I mean, you've, I guess you're forced to adjust, but it must be just brutal to have to adjust yeah. your lifestyle and live without all those perks.
2: It is, it's very, I know it might seem silly to people who, who don't, you know, haven't experienced it, but it is hard. It is very difficult to go from... To go you know, back. I went totally, neg- like, negative in my bank account. And, of course, all of a sudden, the devil's sending these great jobs that I would have taken when I was in business because it's, like, the biggest names in business, like, constantly. And what am I saying? I'm saying, um... No, I'm not in that business anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. I turned out every job from August on. I didn't take one job. And, good for, um,
0: Good for you. Good for you.
2: I, I went totally broke. And to find a job is so hard. Like, every yeah. day I wake up, I think about it. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, like, this is, how am I going to, how are people going to respond to me? Like, I really want to make sure people who I work with know my situation. Sure, because sure. I don't want it to come out later and you know, be something that's like a big shock in the office and whatever. Um, it's really hard. And knowing, like, like now the amount of money that I make, hmm. I'm living paycheck to paycheck.
0: Welcome, and, um, welcome to the rest of the world.
2: Really, I lost my car. Um, I had, it was just emotional, emotionally waking up every morning with a stomach ache, um, hives, gaining weight. It's just been difficult. Yeah. And, but it's been a growing process as well. Like I I you know, there was like a couple of months where I didn't have a job and I didn't have any money. And what happened? Oh, God just performed little miracles in my life.
0: <laughs> Chrissy, is it is it tempting to go back to using your body for for work because you're dead set gorgeous you have the the uh, the figure. You have the uh, the looks. You have the the personality. You have the smile. You have what it takes to use your body for work, and it doesn't have to be porn. But you can still use your body for work. Is is it tempting just to use your body for for any kind of work? Is is that something you can do, or is that something you should do?
2: I'm not tempted in any way to go back to doing porn.
0: No, but there but just just using your body for for other work.
2: Yeah, there was a couple of times. Um, like when I first left the business, and I'm like, okay, I'm broke. What can I do? I had pondered the idea of doing a calendar of me dressed in regular clothes with Bible verses. And <laughs>
0: sorry, <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Yeah." laughs> I've never seen something like that.
2: <laughs> no, that's fine. It is. Just, it's, it was like I was desperate. I'm just like, what am I going to do to make money now? Like I had no job. And, yeah, it
0: was, The verses was, the verses that you were going to put in that calendar, were they, were, were they verses about lust at all?
2: Yeah, some were going to be about lust, and some were going to be about, you know, like, um, you know, Proverbs 31 woman kind yeah. of thing. But then, you know, eventually, I prayed over that idea a lot, because a lot of people would tell me I should do this.
0: Were there like, Jesus people that were saying you should do it?
2: Some of them are... <laughs> believe it or not, some of them were, and they didn't see anything wrong with it, but <sighs> I eventually... I came to the the conclusion like that's not what I need to be doing either. No, no. Still selling myself, selling my looks. Um, but I did think that it could reach some of my old fans, you know. Sure. But um
0: <laughs> Oh man, I'm so glad you didn't do that. Can I just say that?
2: <laughs> I had a photographer set up and everything.
0: Oh, um, yeah, I, I didn't do that. I'm not going to. You know, uh, Chrissy, I know for guys who decide to live a life of chastity that it's unbelievably tough to do that, okay? So what, what about you now? I mean, you, Hugh, of all people, you were in the sex industry, and you've gone from one guy to another. I mean, how has it been for you trying to live a life of chastity now? <laughs> oh, well, it's
2: been extremely difficult. Um extremely difficult I mean I don't it's really hard I mean I think once you have had sex it doesn't matter it's very difficult right it's not an easy thing I mean I'm not gonna lie and say oh it's it's so easy I just pray and it's hard but you know like they you know it says in the Bible that God will never put you in a situation that he's not going to provide you a way out and um you know, and there there are ways out, but, you know, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, I'm perfect and I always do the right thing, yeah. trying to live into that. It's, it's, not, it's not an easy thing. No. But, you know, it's something that I feel like, um, you know, I just keep thinking of, like, this perfect wedding day and how, you know, God has restored me and how, um, when that does happen,
1: it'll be...
0: Chrissy, have you have you noticed the church guys reacting to you in a weird way? Because you kind of hang out at two different churches in your neck of the woods, and it sounds like you're kind of, you know, you're doing a lot of a lot of Jesus meetings. Okay, so let's talk about church guys because apparently they're no different than other guys. Well,
1: you know,
2: they say that I I forget what percentage it is, but they say a large percentage of the church is addicted to porn.
0: Forty-seven percent.
2: Is that it? Yep. Sounds, sounds good. Um, sounds,
1: <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> sounds good,
2: but <laughs> sounds familiar. Yeah. I was thinking 60, but 47 sounds better. Um, I don't really know the stats, but I know it's a large percentage. Sure. Um, and um, since I've left that business, um, I've gotten a lot of emails from people in the church who, who um, some are ministers, some are going to school, mm-hmm. um, some are to be ministers. Some are youth leaders, um, some are just regular churchgoers. A lot of married men. Um, thousands of emails from people who have read my testimony and cried and decided to change their life to be a better man to their wife, to be a better Christian, to be just improved. Even if they don't even believe in God, I've gotten emails from people who don't even believe and they want to change their life. You know, which is a good step in the right direction. Sure,
0: you're putting a heartbeat behind the pornographic images. You're, you're putting a a person, a daughter, somebody's daughter, you know, somebody somebody's friend. You're putting a human face behind these porn images, and so now people are getting a wake up call.
2: Yeah, they are. They're like a lot of them. Knew, a lot of the emails I get are people who are actually googling my name to try to find pictures, and they find a, a page called Wikipedia that, that um, leads to my MySpace page, and that's how they're finding my story. Hmm. So, yeah,
0: really okay, but but what cool. about what about church guys? Come on, seriously. I mean, <laughs> here, here you are, like, how old are you these days?
1: How old am I?
0: Yeah, am I allowed to ask that question? Don't ever ask a woman that question. <laughs> right, okay, so...
2: No, it's okay. I, I, I'm...
1: Okay, I'm 31.
0: 31. Okay, so you're 31 years old. You're single. That means that you're probably in the in the uh, in the singles group at church or whatever. Can you imagine all you guys uh, out there who are part of the singles group at church? Imagine Chrissy walking in one night to the meeting, and I mean, you are you are drop dead gorgeous. There's no question about that. But beyond the physical stuff, you're pleasant, you're fun, you're 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 witty. I mean, you've got you've got a spark about you. You're shy, I think, in, the, in probably at the beginning. But but now you've got all these Jesus guys, and eventually people find out that you used to be a porn star. And I don't care how much of a holy roller you are, if you're a guy, that creates a problem.
2: Yeah, I think, I don't know, it's really it's hard for me to know from their perspective how they're perceiving me, but, um, you know, like the, the, like I'm dating somebody who goes to the church that I go to, and, you know, his friends are just wonderful and great
0: well you know what i think it might be
2: mainly the women who perceive me the wrong way.
0: that's exactly what i was going to say that's exactly where i was going maybe it's the women that are having a harder time with you being there
2: (laughs) i definitely think it's more like the women who have a hard time accepting me right and um you know that's it's it's really sad but you know i can totally understand yeah uh but i know like once, you know, people get to know me and talk to me, and they realize, like, I my change was not to impress Christian men. It was not to do anything. But, you know, I did it. I decided to rededicate my life because I love God. And the more they talk to me, the more they realize that, you know, so, yeah. it's just, you know, people from afar, sometimes they don't want to, you know, want to give it that chance. And, um, they're worried, you know, like the guys are, are being, um, you know, lustful. Sure,
0: you know? sure. Well, look, when I heard your story and then I heard you've gone into the, into the Christian scene, you know, I just, there's part of me that goes, man, I wish no one knew your history. I wish no one knew your background because the most judgmental group, at least in my opinion, has been the church and it's supposed to be the least judgmental and that just kind of, you know, short circuits in my brain and so there's a protection thing. You know, I don't want you getting screwed over by Jesus people. You get you got screwed over enough in life. You don't need Jesus people doing it to you.
2: Yes, yes. That's exactly the truth. And but the thing is, God has surrounded me with a, a great support group hmm. and, um, you know, great Christian women and, you know, the, the friendships are just now developing. You know, it's like a... You know, like a little flower, <laughs> like they're starting to open up more every day, and people are letting me more into their heart. Hmm. But you know, at the beginning, you know, it's not until I mean, it's been six months. It's not easy. Like women are not it's automatically, you know, they they are very cautious. You know, they they want to make sure, like, you know, like I'm doing things for the right
1: reason. Sure. So,
2: well, that's the thing. You're yeah.
0: gonna you're gonna have people second guessing you. They're gonna you're gonna have people that are gonna misjudge or just even try to judge your motives and try to figure out who you are you're going to have people that are going to want to be friends to you guys who are going to want to be friends like, I asked a question a couple of weeks ago Chrissy on our show is, that, is it possible for a guy to be in a long term below the surface real deep and meaningful relationship with a girl and not want more and the majority of people said no for a guy that's not, that's not very possible there's the odd person out there that that's possible but for most guys that's not possible would you agree
2: I, I agree with that I agree with that. I do know somebody who could totally do that, who does that. Yeah, and but, he, actually,
0: but like, he's gay, right?
2: No, actually, <laughs> my boyfriend is, is that guy. Okay. I'm totally, like, he can have, he's, I don't know, I can't even explain it, but I, you know, and that's really difficult for me to deal with.
0: Well, yeah, because you, you have lived don't your life. I that. <laughs> no, but you've lived your life needing, because you didn't get it in appropriate ways, you have lived your life needing the attention of males. Right. And now you're actually in a relationship with a guy who doesn't, you know, worship the ground you walk on? Well, he does probably in healthy ways, but not in unhealthy ways. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. that's just, you know, I know you've had people tell you this, and I don't know you en- enough to really, really say this, but I, I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm very proud of you as as I think all who have just listened to this interview. Do you realize we've gone for an hour?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I saw that.
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, Very proud of you, Chrissy, and we need to keep praying for you because I can imagine the draw of such an insidious lifestyle, and it gets into your soul, it gets into your system, and I'm sure there's, I don't know, I don't know the demonic realm at all, I don't pretend to be a demon guy, but I'm sure there's some kind of supernatural freaky things going down that are they're sucking you back and you're and and it's hard to to not believe lies that you have believed for so long lies about yourself lies about men lies about others lies about god and so i i really pray that god keeps revealing those lies to you and that you can just absolutely annihilate those lies yeah because fear has been a huge thing for you you know Fear of abandonment, fear of not being accepted, fear of losing work, fear of fully accepting love from others.
2: Yeah, yeah. The fear—it's been a lot of battle, spiritual battle with fear. Totally, I get overcome with fear, and um, you know, it's, it's every every time, every time you know, like I feel like I overcome it, it comes back stronger, and um, you know, and I. If the devil is just trying to um, work his way back in my life, he wants to hold me back. He knows that, you know, like me putting my story out there is is, is making is bringing people away from him. Hmm. And, um,
0: you know, well, it's hard. you know what? Thanks from from a guy who has struggled with lust issues, from a guy who struggled with porn. Um, from a guy who's just desperately wanted to maintain some life of integrity. I, I, you've heard this before, but to hear your story puts some some hope in my life. So thanks. I, I appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable, you know. And you keep putting on those, uh, those tall stilettos in the armor of God. <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy, thank you so, so much for kind of sharing your guts.
2: Welcome. Can you give them my MySpace page?
0: Yeah, go for it. Tell everyone about it.
2: It's um, myspace.com slash your That's C-R-I-S-S-L-A.
0: There you go, folks. There it yeah, is. I
2: have my whole story on it.
0: Good to chat with you.
2: Good to be on the air with you.
0: All right. Wow, what a story, huh? That's rubber hits the road Jesus stuff right there. And for her to be welcomed into the family of God and still be struggling with all sorts of issues, that's a cool deal. doesn't get any better than a porn star turning her life over to Christ. All right, uh, we're going to take a break on the show. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Clay and Renee Cross. Many of you know Clay Cross, uh, who is, well, an award-winning Christian recording artist. Of course, many of you know his song, I Surrender All. Well, Clay and Renee... Have just published this book, I Surrender All: Rebuilding a Marriage Broken by Pornography. We'll return with Clay and Renee Cross, and then we're gonna open up the phone lines to you folks. We're gonna talk about this whole porn industry and get your your perspective, your opinions, your struggles. On the Drew Marshall Show. We'll be right back.
1: like what you've heard? Listen
0: again online at DrewMarshall.ca.